with me a very special guest. Her name is Tenille Arnold. She's a free spirit. Her professional life is photographer, author, bookkeeper, and she blends those with yoga and reading. What a fantastic combination. She wrote in her lovely bio, which I just received, all about how she thinks life is always going to have bumps, but when you bring yourself back to the moment and get clear on your own truth, anything can be overcome, which I am a wholehearted subscriber to those ideas as well. Uh, Tanil's also written a couple of amazing children's books. Um, that was a lifelong dream for her. And she connects her readers and families so they can forge together with presence, mindfulness, and find an inner happy voice. So there's two books at this stage that I'm aware of. One is called The Adventures of Ellie's Wellies, and the other is called Finding Your Happy Voice, which is a book that guides both children and parents to pause busy lives and connect, move through emotions, discover tools. Story is perfectly accompanied with a free meditation, which I think is a really clever thing to do before bedtime. So Tanil, welcome. Thanks, Alina. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. Um, so first of all, a big thank you to Tanil for taking some time out of what I'm sure is a life full of many different parts. And I really appreciate you taking a minute to talk to us today. So this is the Unboxable Unstoppable podcast. And I also might share this with some members in uh, the membership that I run, the Soul Mama Hub. So tell me a bit about your day, Tanil. What's been going on today? Today, I've been trying to get the kids to school, <laughs> as most parents can probably relate. Um, but no, it's um, quite busy at the moment because it's end of financial year, of course, and I'm a bookkeeper as well. So um, I've got a few books to tidy up before the end of financial year, as well as my own. So um, yeah, it's been a busy morning. Yeah, of course. And I think many of us will relate to that. I also had a morning with three different trips to three different schools today. Sometimes I do that all in one trip, like an Uber pool. Oh, my gosh. Um, but today <laughs> it was one little boy needed a bit more of a sleep in and one little girl had banned early and one big boy had a late start in year 12. So the three of them all left at different times. So I had to do three, like, <laughs> different trips. It was quite funny. Oh, my um, god. Yeah, and the littlest one did a little bit of an accident in the bed last night. So I was woken up at about 2 a.m. and um, that's quite rare for him, but it happens sometimes if he's really tired. And so there, I couldn't get back to sleep, so I watched the rest of a fantastic documentary and watching it at the moment. So that's why I've got slight bags under the oh eyes Oh, my today. gosh. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you can yeah, relate. Yeah, I think um, it's really cold at the moment as well well so I think it's just like that having even me it's like oh I gotta get up out of this nice warm bed but um yeah it was a bit tricky getting them there today and where are you <laughs> where are we where do we find you today so I'm in Kijigana so I'm on five acres in um Perth Kijigana uh where are you you're you're over so here you're Perth, Western Australia. There's an international audience for this, so I'll just explain. Perth is like okay. the most remote city in the world, apparently, in terms of <laughs> geography. Uh, my father also lives in Perth. And, yeah, I'm in Sydney, Australia. Yeah. So oh, cool. Where does your dad live? My father lives in, uh, where does he live now? He just moved a little while ago. North Perth. 
So okay. near, yeah. near the city, Mount Lawley. Near the city. I think. Yeah. 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 So I'm more country. Yeah. Amazing. And are you, is it a town where you live or you're on acreage, you said? Yeah. So I'm on five acres. So there's a lot of big properties around here. So it takes me um, about 10 minutes to drive the kids to school. Um, which is pretty good. I have no traffic lights, so I can't complain. That's nice. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, the town centre is just up the road. But then I'm also quite, I'm only 30 minutes from the city. Like, I'm kind of 30 minutes from everywhere, really. But, um, yeah, so it's, it's country, but um, not too country. How fantastic. Not too far away. And what do you have on Best your land? Yeah, that's cool. What do you have on your land? Just bush. It's just a bush block. So we've just got bush and we've got this massive um, dam which fills up in the winter, but it does dry out in the summer, working on keeping that full all year round. But, um, yeah, so it's yeah, it's quite big actually. Um, but it's lovely. I love being near the bush and nature and the water, yeah. And is it pretty flat lovely. where you are or is it hilly? Um, fairly flat. There's a little bit of hill, not too, not too much. We're not on our property anyways, yeah. A lot of Perth is quite flat so, ne nearby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a nice big hill outlook, like, uh, on one side of us. There's no nice. neighbours, like, it's just this big massive hill, so that's nice in the winter because it's all nice and green and beautiful. Do you take um, inspiration yeah, from I'll... the... Sorry, I interrupted you. You go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, yeah, it's just beautiful. I love where I live. It sounds amazing. And do you take inspiration from the place that you live for your books and for your work? Yeah, so um, The Adventures of Ellie's Wellies is, um, well, both books are uh, characters, uh, my son and my daughter. Um, and The Adventures of Ellie's Wellies definitely was taken from the property and her adventures when she was younger. So she's just turned 10 last week um but yeah really from when she was a three-year-old kind of exploring out in nature and on our property and a couple of the um images are actually photographs that I photographed of her um splashing in puddles and that kind of thing that I gave to the illustrator as inspiration to draw this draw the illustration so oh. I guess what I'm curious about okay. is um you said in your bio that writing children's book was was a lifelong dream so t talk me through the process of how first of all when did you first dream of writing children's books do you know I think it's a bit like anything in life like it might it might become something like a dream or a goal or something you might want to do when you're younger and then life comes along and then it kind of gets put to the side and then something else sparks that inspiration again and then you're like oh and then you kind of start getting into it again um, and then of course life comes along <laughs> um, but probably probably once um, like because the stories came from life experiences with my children I suppose so I think even though it was always kind of there that it's something that I'd like to pursue in life it needed the right moment um, for the story to seed to then um, grow I suppose um, so yeah so because both stories are from experiences I've had with my children that I've then turned into um a children's book I suppose yeah so um I, yeah it was 2000 and 
16, I think, when I started to kind of get into, okay, maybe, you know, I could write a children's book. Um, and then the, the technique that I was doing with my son, I was like, yeah, this could, um, I actually, it was, I thought it was going to be an a adult's book at first, not a children's book. Uh, and then I was just, yeah, one day I was just like, oh my God, this is a children's book, not a, not an adult's book. So yeah, and then just it kind of evolved from there. Like every time I kind of needed the next path because I'm self-published. So I mean, I had no idea what I was doing uh, <laughs> or how to even, where to even begin, you know, but um, I had to kind of just let that go, just put it out to the universe. This is what I want to create. This is the ideas. And then just surrender to allowing and waiting for the next step to show up, which it did. And then I would just follow that um, next step and then the next one would arrive. So it's kind of how it evolved, I suppose. Um, yeah, so I had like a little guide along the way, which is why my um, press is called Pick Up Press Australia, because each time I needed to know the next step or the next, um, you know, if it was the right connection or the right person, um, a peacock symbol would appear. So it would be in many forms, whether it was a real peacock or a peacock like in a picture or um, yeah, anything like that. It would, that was my guide along writing that first book, Finding a Happy Voice. That's awesome. And so how did you know how to, what gave you the awareness of uh, I need to look out for signs? Like where does that come from? Where does that skill come from? I think that's just something everyone has. Uh, it's just about being aware of it, as you say. Um, I don't know. I had a mum that was very, I guess, spiritual and open and stuff and like so I learned this stuff from a, a young age like um same as gratitude I, I my I teach my kids and I we have a gratitude circle every morning um and from a young age that's something that we would do before bed is to give gratitude for the day so I've always had that um yeah I don't know it's just always been there for me so it's not something like of course life kind of as you get older in your teenage years, it's not at the forefront, I suppose. Um, but I've always been trusting of the universe that the right path and the right way, you know, it, it will show up. So that's about trusting. Yeah, that's awesome. I've been talking a lot about this recently. It's funny you bring that up because uh, I did a recent podcast episode about it. I've talked about it in my membership a fair bit. And I think this is such a big thing. And a lot of us, as you say, uh, life happens and we change stages in our life and we might lose touch with those practices or rhythms or habits or whatever you want to call it. But they're always there. Like they're always there. They're always there in the background. It's just whether you're aware or not really. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know where the point is where you, where you go, ah, oh, when did I t lose touch with that and then come back to it I'm not sure so mm. depends how what you're in in your life journey I suppose and it sounds a bit like it's your normal if you like like it's your it's your normal to do things that way whereas for some people it might be an entirely new thing to think like that or to have a gratitude practice every night or you know it might not be something they grew up with so what a blessing you no, had yeah. to have that you know yeah I think um and anyone everyone has it and you just start you just like 
you know, make time for yourself and um, just have that awareness. Um, connection to breath is probably a good place to start. It's just becoming aware of your breath, your breathing and how you feel. Um, and then just being more open, I guess, to allowing beautiful things to come into your life. Mm, and a lot of the practice of allowing, which, again, I talked about this in a recent workshop inside the membership, the Soul Mama Hub membership, and I was talking about mindset and how a lot of our culture seems to be very geared towards the more kind of yang or like masculine aspect, and I'm not saying male, but like a masculine characteristic of mm -hmm. pursuing Definitely. pursuing an action and doing and doing. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's a commonly sort of it's a bit cliche to talk about, isn't it? But but actually, it's something that we can so easily take for granted that uh, we don't even realize we've dropped the habit. We've dropped the habit of tuning in, and we've dropped the habit of being mm. ourselves and being yes. tuned in and breathing and awareness and all those things. And I love how you say you just make time for it. Like for some people like you, it's just a natural fabric of your life that you will always make that time. But I think there are a lot of women, I mean, and men, but I'm going to speak to women because that's the people this podcast mm -hmm. is for. But but I, uh, I think there are a lot of women who don't manage to find that time on a daily basis, me included at times, where things can feel busy and things can feel um, very demanding of our attention and demanding of our yangness, of our doing. And um, mm. it takes yeah. a bit of and discipline. Don't get me wrong. It does. Um, like the other week I was sick and then my kids were sick. And, of course, in those times, you know, you do have your days where you might not be doing, you know, your practices or, um, you know, being more in tune. But then, I don't know, there's just a point there that you then go, oh, hang on, I do, you know, I, I am grateful for what I do have in my life. There are these, you know, and then and then it shifts and, and the cycle changes again and then you're Definitely. And the flow of life. I found a nice way to put it yesterday, which was decide, commit, repeat. And I feel like when we're really willing to create change or create different ways of being in our lives, we do need to make a decision and we do need to commit. And there's an element of mm. willingness there if we're not willing to bring in that awareness. Yeah, I mean, I like definitely. you, I know, I know awareness is transformative in itself. Just when you shine a light on something, it changes it, you know, and um, that awareness comes and goes. But, yeah, perspective is so key. Um, it's all very interesting yeah well stuff. I've been uh, I think that's really what you're saying there is super on point because I um, decided I think it was like the 26th of February that I was going to have a break from drinking um, not that I'm a big drinker but I do like a glass of wine on a Sunday afternoon while the kids are playing and you know um, that kind of thing or if you're at a party um, but I decided, no, I'm going to not drink for a little while. And so, yeah, it's been three and a half months now. But it's really hard to make that change and to commit to it and have the willpower to stick with it. And I think it's important to have, yeah, a reason or a why as to, you know, why you're doing that um, to help you stick, to help you maintain it and stick with it. And why did you make that decision? Uh, I just, um, 
I just didn't want to be drinking anymore. <laughs> I just, um, I, can't, I also gave up coffee at the same time and that, that was actually harder. <laughs> I only have one coffee a day and I just found that so hard and it's actually only been the last two weeks where I haven't craved a coffee. Like that's how hard giving up coffee has been. But I think for me it was more of a, uh, especially with the coffee, like not controlling me, like me being in control of the addiction of coffee. Um, I don't know. Yeah, just knowing that I can do it. And with the alcohol, was it a health, something, was it a health it. thing or was it that you wanted to free your mind? What was your main motivation? Yeah, it, it was a health thing. Um, and, yes, having the occasional drink on the weekend, but then it started becoming an occasional drink during the week. If And, really, I was talking to a girlfriend about this yesterday and I think it's like, you know, when the, instead of turning to my tools of breathing and, um, you know, going for a run or whatever else, it was like, oh, I'll just have a glass of wine. Um, and I think it's an escapism mm. in a sense, like instead okay. of having to sit with the emotion of I'm feeling triggered or angered mm. or frustrated or upset, um, whatever might be going on, mm. um, and not just having a drink on the weekend to enjoy it. It was then becoming like, oh, I just need a drink to yes, like get through the night. <laughs> yeah, I have a rule because I also am I'm a casual drinker and I did have a five-year period of not drinking at all um, because I was battling an addiction to something else, but it was I had to stop every intoxicant in order yeah, to that's get what I mean. through I think that into links yeah. yeah and when I did that it was very interesting and then I had another period of not drinking at all when I did a specific diet when I was trying to have my third child I was having fertility problems and I did something called the whole 30 which is a really amazing mm -hmm. you take a look at it it's fantastic but um it's an amazing kind of protocol that you do for 30 days which involves having zero alcohol zero sugar zero dairy zero additives of any kind zero it's zero everything except whole food and you make everything from scratch yeah. and it was an incredible reset it's an anti-inflammatory hormone reset diet and uh there's amazing just great recipes online anyway awesome. just to use and uh yeah the whole I haven't 30. done the whole 30 but yeah I have it's done really good similar similar things yeah and I had a four-year fertility journey and then I mean I don't know it's just, it could just be a coincidence but it was the next month after that whole 30 that I conceived at the age of 44 and I do think those things can be really powerful. And um, that month of not drinking, I just slept so well. I found my sleep was so much better. I don't know if you're having that, but that really surprised me. Um, and, you know, there's a huge sugar element in alcohol as well. But I have a rule now. Yes. I, I do drink casually now, but I, I have a rule that if I'm having a strong feeling, I never have a drink until I've gone through yeah. my process around the strong feeling first. I'll never use it to medicate. Yeah. I've decided yeah. that that's not something I can do with my history. Yes. So I'm quite careful about that. And I have plenty of days off drinking. I have plenty of zero alcohol days. But um, but it does creep in, definitely. Like it's crept back it into does. my life significantly it's... since not doing it at all. Before you know it, it's like, oh, I'll just yeah. have a, um, and it's only like one glass of wine sure. or maybe two. But it's like, 
yeah before you know it, it's like every third day you're having a drink and it's a lot of money as well <laughs> and and, mm. yeah and I'm like yeah that's not okay with me um just uh, where I am in my life and that's just me that's my journey right now and what are the other things I might have a, sorry to have a drink again soon I turned 40 this year so I was like oh am I gonna have a drink on my 40th I don't know yet mm. will I regret it I don't know <laughs> yeah what other benefits have you found from not drinking um definitely because of the sugar the weight on the tummy <laughs> I started ex, um, doing running instead as well um, of having a drink. No. <laughs> um, but no, I did, started getting into a bit more exercise. I do yoga and stuff like that as well, but it's nice to do something a little bit different. Um, so, yeah, and just being, being like, I mean, I wasn't a massive drinker so I, I've never been a massive drinker because it just makes me sick I, there's only a certain amount I can drink anyways because it's, my whole family's like that we, mm, me too we have like if I had more yeah if I have more than three glasses I'll be sick all night so mm. um I've kind of have a limit there anyways mm. um I've been like that my whole life I can only drink like wine I can't drink vodka that makes me ill well that's a blessing um, yeah I can't yeah <laughs> I can't drink any hard spirits. That's good. And then I want to shift gears <laughs> but, um, a little bit. I'm so interested to shift gears a little bit with you and talk to you a bit hmm. about your history in work. So one of the, the key themes of this podcast is unboxable, unstoppable. So you've told me about the unstoppable part. You've given up drinking, written children's books, fulfilled some dreams, exercising. You sound like a bit of a, a humble powerhouse to me, but I'm really curious about the unboxable part, about all the things you did leading up to now. So can you give me a oh. potted history of your, say, what you <laughs> did following school maybe? I don't know, at school, following school. Yeah, Talk okay. to me about all the things you've done. All right. So I started working from a very young age. I was um, in Australia. Um, you're not allowed to work uh, and get paid. And I think it was 13 at the time, quite a few years ago now. But I was 11 when I started working um, and I was working in a video store. So I used to go after school and rewind videos and, <laughs> and recommend titles to customers um, and that kind of thing. And every job I've been in, I've I, and I say this in a way, like, I don't know, I've always been like, I like to, um, you know, do a really good job and I've always been good at what I do. And I've always been recognized for that, I suppose. With, um, so like when I was in the video store, we'd have mystery shoppers that would come in and they'd like rate you on, but you didn't know who they were. And then you'd get like, yeah, so I got like a really good report thing on that. So awesome. stuff like that. Like I always pride myself in in what I do, I suppose. Um, mm. Like I have always thought if I'm working for someone, like how would I like to run that for my business? Like how would I want my that to be uh, my staff, you know, representing mm. my business? There's um, an integrity And I've there. always been, yeah, yeah. Um, so I did that for five years and then... From that, I had little, you know, jobs in between on school holidays, stuff like that. I worked in a advertising company during that time, um, just helping out in the office. Um, and I was always, so that job, I never applied for it. Like I was offered the job 
And it's quite funny because my human design, I'm a projector. And so now when I look back at it, I'm like, wow, that's so interesting because part of my design is that I'm to wait for the invitation. And so, yeah, so it was actually my brother's job in the video store and he didn't turn up for a shift one day and I'd gone to return our videos and the boss didn't know where he was and he's younger than me. So we used to get paid credit. We didn't even get money. We'd get credit to spend <laughs> in store. <laughs> and then, um, and then he was like, your brother hasn't turned up. Um, do you want a job? I was like, okay. <laughs> so that's how I started there. But, um, and then I, so I went from like a junior and then obviously became a manager and then had people younger than me once I was older. Um, and then from there, when I kind of, you know, I moved out of home when I was 17. And so I had to go to kind of get a job that had, you know, paid a little bit more to pay for those expenses. And so um, I had to apply for my first job when I was 18. And that was um, as a bar, um, barmaid. And so I had done uh, bar experience. I went to TAFE for... Um, I didn't finish the certificate. I pretty much got the experience that I, I did what I needed to get. And then I <laughs> got out, <laughs> got the experience I needed and moved on. But um, yeah, so I'm kind of hopping around there. But um, yeah, so then I was a barmaid for quite a while. So I was running a bar um, in the area where I am. And I um, had a guy come in one night and I was being serving him all night. And then he was like, I'm going to put you up for barmaid of the month. And so there's a magazine here in, <laughs> in um, WA. Um, actually, I think it's Australia-wide. Um, at the time, it's called Ralph Magazine. I don't know if you've heard of that. But it's yeah, like I remember kind of, it. Ooh, like a, you know. Um, but it was all nice. But, um, yeah, so I ended up, um, they contacted me and came out and photographed me and I was barmaid of the month for the magazine um, for my birthday month. It's like a men's special. magazine, like a like a young men's magazine, yeah. sort of, wasn't it? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But I was nicely dressed. Yes, no, you weren't the son <laughs> um, of <those. laughs> No. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah. And then, so whilst I was working there, um, in I would have been 20 at the time. My girlfriend and I decided to start our first business together. So we went into a partnership and we started a events coordinating business. Fantastic. So, yeah, and I would say that was probably like the beginnings of online business. Like we were at the forefront of that when I look back now because we utilised MySpace. Do you remember MySpace oh, yes. before Facebook? Oh, yes. Yeah, so we utilised MySpace and we turned MySpace into um, gathering lots and lots of friends on MySpace Clever. to then advertise to. And then we used to advertise these events to all these followers on MySpace. Um, and wow, run, the original like, like pre-Facebook group. Yeah, yeah. So we um, would, so uh, in conjunction with where I worked, um, we were able to put on some events there and so so we used to get, and back those days, you used to be able to get in touch with like the suppliers of the um, liquor companies and they would provide you lots of promo stuff and promo gear and um, so they could have door prizes and all that kind of thing. And, and we used to sell ticketed events to um, these like themed nights. And yeah, that was probably the beginnings of like my full entrepreneurial journey, I suppose. Mm. I mean, I did other little bits and pieces when I was young, young with my brother, like, you know, I'm sure everyone's done like the side self succulent plants on the side of the road to your neighbors and things like that but um 
Um, yeah, but that was our first official registered business um, together. And Amazing. then, yeah, but from there I've done all sorts. I've worked for Disney. I've been a sales and merchandising rep for uh, Disney Bonavista. So I used to go and service all the stores. So I know a lot about marketing and um, in-store set up and displays, which has helped me mm. when I've been with my books. So when I'm out in bookstores, I know mm. the drill because um, it's very similar to DVDs. And that job I got, I actually went for a mystery shopping job. And when I was in the interview, they looked over my resume and they said, you're, you're too qualified for this position. <laughs> We've got another position going. Um, do you want to come in for an interview for this job? So I had an interview there and then they took me across the hall to have an interview with this other lady I didn't even know what I was going for and she was like oh do you want to be a team on um this with Disney Bonavista DVDs I was like wow you just never know T you just never know where things are going to lead it's that thing about mystery so I got in for a a casual position um and walked out with a full-time job right (laughs) where was that was that in Perth yeah and that came about yeah, that was in Perth. So, and that came about from my video store days because I knew a lot about um, working in the uh, video industry. And that's the thing, isn't but, it? We just um, never know when something we've done before is going to actually be a precursor. I mean, if we just follow those leads yes, and follow the path that right. is laid out for us and take action, you have to take action. You had to turn mm. up. Oh, yes. You had yeah. to show up. You, you had to write to. a CV. You had to have certain skills, apply yourself yeah. to each role. But if you can actually perceive that opportunity as it arises and accept it, it's a very powerful thing, isn't it? It certainly is. And even, um, uh, I mean, I've had so many little in-between jobs, so I skipped skipped a bit there. But I had a, a job that I was working, um, and this is back then, like you could kind of get away with things a little bit. And so and my friends reminded me of this recently, and I was like, did I? <laughs> did I really do that? Like... <laughs> But um, I, I was working in the bar and I was like, I don't want to work in a bar anymore. I'd gone back to TAFE. I did a year of study in, um, in uh, legal business admin because that's all that was going. So I said, yep, I'll just do that. And I did that. And then um, I just didn't really have a plan. I was just like, that was what was available. I'll do that. And then I applied for a position in a office because I was like, I need to get some kind of full-time job, you know, something a bit more stable. And so I applied for this job and it was for a like printing and die cutting company. So what they do is they have um, people come in with like books or like um, like your boxes, um, presentation folders, um, and they come in and they have it all designed up there and then they would print it and then they die cut it. So they cut it out and then in the back and then they would put like, put it all together so those have to be all pre-folded and glued and all that kind of thing so I was in the at, in the office in the admin and they're like do you know how to do my ob and blah 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 and I'm like yeah I know how to do that well I rocked up day one with um, a book called my for dummies I didn't know how to do my ob I just said I did <laughs> that's an accounting software <laughs> yes and I just I just winged it and anything I didn't know, I just looked it up in the book and worked it out. And um, that's really interesting. So in, the, in your bio, you said you are unafraid to fail while constantly striving to reach your dreams and goals. 
Is it that you were unafraid or is it that you had fears but did things anyway? Yeah, I do, I do that a lot. If you have a fear, do it anyway. It's because what's the worst that's going to happen? They're either going to say, sorry, you're sacked or no, you can't do that or that doesn't happen. You know, what, you've just got to think, what is the worst thing that's going to happen anyways? And what, how would I feel if I did that? Like if that happened? Like, am I going to die? Am I going to crawl into a hole? Like, just show up and do it anyways. Um, but yeah, well, and then so from there, I learned that program. I learned all about die cutting and pre-folding and gluing and all that stuff. And that actually I needed when I then got that job for Disney because we used to have to set up a lot of promotional gear. And so I needed to know how to do all this box putting together and folding and all that. And then from there, I went and did, um, I drove dump trucks with my husband for a year um so that was super fun and then when I got back from there my parents had started the company they had been started the company with um their uh, my dad's brother-in-law um and they'd split and they'd kind of taken over the company on their own they had no idea how to do books and they were like can you just help us out a little bit and um and then that's how I started bookkeeping and then from there I had to like obviously carry on my study because new laws started coming in and all the stuff and had to get yes. like yeah different registrations and all take this. some action but, and that's, yeah I've been doing that for like I don't know 13 15 years or something and now. in between writing children's books and and the premise of your children's books what guided you to make children's books that that are based around moving through emotions pausing in lives discovering tools meditation breathing what drove you to do those um as you can see from what I've told you so far, I was doing, doing, doing all the time and I'd forgotten how to be. Um, so, yeah, I'm super trying to condense this for you. But, yeah, um, so from there, I over the years, I've been having this gut issue um, and I hadn't really connected what it was or what it wasn't happening that often. But then when I fell pregnant with my son, I was it was becoming more there. Um, so it's happening like every three months. And then after I had him, it started being like every month, um, I was getting this intense, overwhelming pain in my stomach. Um, and I got really sick. Um, Sounds I, um, mm, and then I kind of, I wouldn't say had a breakdown, but like I, I passed out, like I was at the doctors all the time and oh I'm gosh. not a sick person. Um, so then they were checking for like epilepsy and because my mum has epilepsy um, and yeah, all these things. And then I wasn't allowed to drive for two weeks. Mm. And so it was happened to be in school holidays. And so I was sitting there and all I was allowed to do was just sit and be. Wow. And that's when I came to a place of, okay, there's another way. A bit of stillness. Now, this is really interesting, yeah. right? So coming out of the lockdown situation last year, I think there was a lot more awareness around the power of slowing down and the power of stillness. I mean, some people's lockdown, well, certainly with children, three kids home from school trying to do a job at home as well, that's not slowing down. That's not stillness, no. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> but for some, for some people it removed some busyness because you weren't driving to three different schools or you weren't doing a lot of the things that you would have done previously or going out of the house to do things that you would have done previously. Mm. So there was some enforced slowing 
Yes. Not all time, like I say. For some, for some. <laughs> Certainly for us, yeah. there was there was no socialising. So, and ours was very short, really, comparatively to the rest of the world. So, in a way, we were very fortunate to have sort of the best of both worlds because we had situation where we had to slow down and consider things differently but it wasn't for a very long time fatalities were not very high and so um, we were ridiculously privileged really to have that experience and I know a lot of people didn't Mm. and um, Mm. we need to acknowledge that it hasn't been something positive for a lot of people in the world it's been the opposite and there's been a lot of tragedy and loss and a lot of isolation that has been very very detrimental Mm. for mental health and suicide rates, and there's been a lot of grief and loss. Um, but I, I know in our experience, it was a very different thing. It was a very kind of gentle, almost a gentle kind of positive thing. And coming out of it, we had mm. this sort of new awareness. But I was astounded at how quickly we all forgot. I noticed it in traffic. Um, at first, everyone was very polite and sweet and giving way and there was no honking of horns and there was no speeding around the neighbourhood. And then slowly but surely as the busyness crept back in and people went back to work and it just flew out the window again and there was back in, you know, road yeah. age beeping horns and competition. So it was well, almost like, like that, that um, flow, ebb and flow that I talk yeah. about until, you know, those people come back and go, oh, hang on a minute, mm. there is a different way. And we do that, we do that don't we? We, we slip in and out like with drinking or with health or with mindfulness and habits and they come and they go. And I feel like it's a bit of a revolving sort of, it comes around again yeah. and you remember because <laughs> something bites you on the bum and you go, oh, I don't feel very good. I need mm. to do something about that. And that's how we sort of keep course correcting and finding balance. But it sounds like you've put in some really amazing work to create tools to help people remember it more often, which is a beautiful thing. And I applaud you for doing that because I think it's super important, you know. Oh, thank you. Have you has it yeah, been well yeah, received? Just, um, have you had a lot of good response from it? Yeah, yeah, I have had a huge response, um, wonderful response, especially the first book, Finding Your Happy Voice. Um, and I think like that was a really special book to me because like going through that journey that I went through and then connecting with self again, connecting to meditation, connecting to breath, um, and then because it was working for me and helping me in my life, I was like, I need to be teaching my kids this. Why aren't I? Like, why aren't I teaching them this? Um, and by that stage, my daughter was uh, like five, I think. Mm. Four, Good age five, for it. And my son was two, two, three. So he's kind of started younger than her. But, um, yeah, we just started bringing that into our everyday lives. It's um, really important, I think. Mm. And do they ever yeah, say, no, just... mummy, I don't want to do gratitude now? Does that ever happen? No, I, no, but I do give them the option. And, like, I, I do have a course that I've got on my website. So right. um, it's a self-paced course. Um, but I, I always say, like, I always sit in circle. Um, if they don't want to, that's their choice. They don't mm, have to. But nice. if the other one sits down, they tend to come and sit anyways, whether they participate or not doesn't matter you just still they're still listening and that's beautiful isn't it still being planted there's a lot of there's fantastic research into this um certainly in education and parenting psychology there's a fantastic research uh desi is the name that comes to mind deci i'll link it in the comments uh in the page on my website around this podcast but uh there's some fantastic stuff about autonomous learning and just autonomy in general 
and the effect mm. that that has uh, in a family and, and how that translates, and we're not using big words like autonomy in psychology, it means the difference between saying it's time to go to school, get your shoes on, and what's the next thing you need to do to get to school? Do you need some help? That's the difference, yeah. you know, and that, that one I got yeah. from the wonderful, there's a great psychologist called Justin Coulson. He has a website called Happy Families. Oh, I love and him. Yeah, yeah, so that's one of his yeah. tricks, which I'm sure he's gained from someone else, you know, the way that we do. Mm. But um, I just was watching one of his webinars and it's a beauty. Yeah, I think it does come back to that awareness as well, though, and, like, just, like, how would you like to be treated as well? Yeah. Like Nobody I, likes being I, told I what to do. I feel sad for kids sometimes. Like, yeah, yeah it's, they kind of don't get a choice. They do get bossed around a lot of kids, you know. Like, even yeah. I said to my husband the other day, my daughter's, um, so I've just we've been going through some stuff with my daughter um, recently, um, and so she's just been diagnosed with um, inattentive ADHD and giftedness um well that's and a so big, it's been, big thing yeah and it's been challenging because it's also I've been having to re-look re at everything I do and everything in my life mm -hmm. because um I'm talking with her she's like there's a possibility that you too could have internal mm -hmm. ADHD and when you start looking into it and looking back over your life yes it's confronting and mm. um it's also challenging for me when there's things that she needs help with but it's like but I struggle with that how can I help her if I yes. if I'm struggling with that you know and so it's like a it's a learning and growth experience for myself as well as her well um, how you can help is that you have the most fantastic compassion for her if you've been through it yeah that, so that's how you just, help mm. So it's just really interesting. But I said to him, because she's, you know, some days she's not wanting to go to school for certain reasons. Mm. And, and um, I said to him, you know, it really sucks, like as a kid, because you have to go to school and you just you just have to suck it up and you just have to go, right? And I'm like, I know that's part of life and maybe that's part of building resilience and stuff. I don't know. But I'm like, as an adult, if I was to go to a workplace and and I wasn't liking the boss or mm. there was a problem with a co-worker, like I would raise the issue or I would make a change or I would leave, yes. you know, like yes. I wouldn't put up with it. Whereas as a kid, it's like, no, you have to go do this. Like they don't, yes. so that a lot of their power is taken away. Yeah, so the agency. The times where, mm. you know, we have um, an input on their life, it's like, yeah, that coming to like, what's the next thing you have to do to... Mm you know get out the door to leave school like instead of telling them what to do all the time like they get told what to do all day at school so yeah the way Justin Coulson yeah. put it which was beautiful was prioritize connection over direction so instead of mm. directing mm. and being an authority connect and it was a lovely yeah. you can still gently remind children what they need to do and uh and, you know it's probably more efficient actually and allow yeah, time well, I think it only know, just allows you getting all worked up and angry and then they're fine. The next that's thing, you, you're the one sitting in there. That's right. I mean, easier said <laughs> than done, right? We're asking a child yeah. to regulate their emotions when we struggle to regulate our emotions. I mean, it's such a huge yeah. call, it's a, isn't it? It's a huge it's a big call. ask. Yeah. It's a big, so big ask. It's but a yeah, lovely, I like that approach. That's why I like the um, having circle. And we always do it like uh, the 10 minutes before we walk out the door. So it's like, mm everyone's ready to go even if there has been a rush or a, I don't want to go mm. to school that morning um, just coming together sitting together 
having that gratitude, breathing together, yeah. um, asking, you know, those things. And then we set an intention for the day. So we're setting ourselves up for the day. And sometimes now they like to pull a card. They're a bit older. So they like to pull a um, oracle card and nice. see if they can manifest the animal for the day. Nice. So, <laughs> I love yeah, it. they like that. That's brilliant. <laughs> Well, I'm and conscious. Then you're walking I'm, out. You're walking out of the house calm and connected. Yes, you know, you're not yeah. going out the house crazy. What a great way to start the day. I'm conscious of the time we've been rattling on for a while now. It's been so good to talk <laughs> to you, though, Tanil. I really appreciate yeah. the stories you're sharing with us, and there's a lot in here that I think will benefit other families and other women in their ways through their days. And um, I really appreciate your time <laughs> and sharing with us what you've been doing. You're welcome. It's amazing. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I feel super grateful and appreciative.